You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we are talking about radically ordinary hospitality. Mm-hmm. So the inspiration for this podcast is from Rosaria Butterfield's book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And in it, she argues that a purposefully hospitable lifestyle is the missing link between Christians and the watching world. Huh. That's an interesting, interesting um, theory. You think that's true? I think she makes a really good case. The missing link between us and the world. Okay. So how do you practice hospitality? She, she did. She uh, experienced this because once a week, right? Yep. Once a week for For two years. years. Two years, I think she said. She went to the homes of her neighbors that just invited her over and they had weekly meals um, with other Christians there. And that just like actually literally changed her life. She left her career. She ended up leaving her relationship and everything about her old life to come to be a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it wasn't just her neighbors. It was the pastor in town that she was criticizing in an article. Oh, no (laughs) awkwardness whatsoever. That's right. He invited her in after she was critical of, um, some evangelical Christian thing that was coming through town. Mm -hmm. And she was intrigued that it wasn't, she had stacks of mail after she wrote this particular critical article and that was hate mail and fan mail. Okay. And she would, you know, keep the one and pitch the other. And this one was neither. It was just an invitation to get to know her. Yeah. And it intrigued her. So it was a little different. And it, and I, yeah. And she took him up on it. So. So I think our homes, at least my home to me, is kind of a sacred place, a safe place, right? It's our refuge at the end of the day. It's where you can go and everyone's going to love you no matter what kind of thing so it can be a little scary a little intimidating to open the doors yeah I mean when we were looking at building a house 10 years ago one of my requirements was no neighbors behind me Uh, I had grown up with a cow pasture behind my childhood home and I just thought everyone could live in a neighborhood yes and have an empty field behind them. <laughs> and I didn't realize like how much privacy that grants you, mm-hmm. even when you have neighbors across the street and next door. And so, and, and I just said straight up, I was like, I, I want to come home. I don't want to see my neighbors when I walk out my back door. I don't want to talk to my neighbors. And then I read this book and was feeling not so great about myself. <laughs> yeah. We were kind of the same way. We live on small acres and um, yeah, I mean, we have neighbors, but you kind of just wave from afar. You don't actually have to speak to them if you didn't really want to. It's not like a New York City apartment building or the tighter, closer suburbs where you're every time you walk out in your driveway, you're going to see somebody. Right, right. And so it just the conversation we're going to have today is like, what does that look like? I mean, should we open our homes? Is there a, is there a um, theological case, I guess, for opening our homes like Rosaria is presenting in mm-hmm. her book? Uh, if so, what does that, what would that actually even look like? Yeah. What good would that do us or the world, mm-hmm. you know, around us? So I'll just lay out her philosophy here. She says that radically ordinary hospitality sees strangers as neighbors 
and neighbors as the family of God. They recoil at reducing a person to a category or a label. Radically ordinary hospitality sees God's image reflected in the eyes of every human being on earth. They know they are like the meth addicts and the sex trade workers. They take their own sin seriously, including the sin of selfishness and pride, and they take God's holiness and goodness seriously, and they use the Bible as a lifeline with no exceptions. People who practice radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom. They open doors, they seek out the underprivileged, and they know the gospel comes with a house key. So interesting. And she, she goes on in her book. I, I was telling Bonnie, I think there's like five days a week. She does something different each day of the week in terms of opening her home. So that's like doctorate level hospitality. Yeah. We're going to bring it back down to just <laughs> like, if, if you're not doing this, how do you start? Yeah. Let's just bring it down to like some simple hospitality. But first, let's just ask the question. Have you experienced intentional, generous hospitality in your own life? Have you, Bonnie? Sure, I have. I think my parents, uh, our home was open a lot. I mean, kids were in and out all the time. It was um, not the house to be at, but one of the houses to be at. And you always knew you could come get lunch or whatever. So I think my parents did that a lot. And I remember, since you're talking about this sort of thing, when I was in third grade, the house across the backyard was this family who didn't really know them. But I was playing in the backyard one day and they were having a lunch thing. And they said, hey, come on over. We're having a bunch of kids over. And I learned, we had a lunch. And then we learned um, the names of the apostles. Seriously? Your neighbors did that? Yeah. And and I was like, okay, this is interesting. And they had a pet squirrel, which was cool. And (laughs) then that was that. Like, I'm not sure I ever went back, but it was a cool sort of thing. And didn't seem like any big deal to me. So it wasn't hard. Yeah. And it obviously left an impression on a third grade kid. Interesting. Interesting. Random. How about you? Have you experienced it? Yeah. I mean, I grew up well with that cow pasture behind us. That was my grandparents' farm. So my grandmother was always, yeah, always happy to have people over. She was always feeding people or sending them home with something canned that she had, you Mm -hmm. know, canned that summer. And our house was one of the houses, like you said, in in your neighborhood where we were in and out of each other's houses a lot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Does that happen as much? Uh, Not in our neighborhood because we're too spaced out, but I think in some. I think that's good. I hope it does still happen. Mm -hmm. It was good. So the kids were in and out of the houses. Um, But it wasn't this intentional kind of hospitality that Rosaria Butterfield is describing in terms of gospel focused. Yeah. Yeah. No, it wasn't that. Except for your apostles experience. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of wonder what this, what is this people's story nowadays? Maybe you just came in midstream. I'm like, can we start with Jesus? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was like, we do this kind of thing every afternoon and you can come learn too. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, what was it like and how did it affect me? I liked it. I liked I liked knowing that I could always have friends over. My mom would generally say yes. Mm-hmm. I had some friends whose moms were like generally no. Yeah. If, if they wanted, you know, friends over or things mm-hmm. like that. And that was not the case. And even to this day, my mom just turned 78. Mm-hmm. And she still practices this. She, they have people in all the time. She's always having people in. They're yeah. cooking for them, welcoming them in, letting them sleep there. We never had a room 
growing up or now in my own home that people couldn't go in. Like it was never, you know, the front stuffy white furniture parlor. Nothing was ever off limits. So it was fine to have people in. The home was for living in. The home was for using. The home was for inviting people into. So it wasn't this show place. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. We did have a front room that was definitely off limits. She got in big trouble. We <laughs> ran through there. Like if my brothers and I were chasing each other, we couldn't run through the front. Stuffy living room, yeah. dining room area. I don't think people have that anymore. It's more, our house is more much. like to be used. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. So, I mean, at the end of Romans 13, Paul is talking about what love in action looks like. And he writes, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. So radically ordinary hospitality. I love this topic because I think you did this with with us, Bonnie, when we were all young married. You and Bobby did it. Describe what, what I'm talking yeah, about for our we, listeners. Uh, well, when we were in college and newly married, well, in college and then after we got married, we always had a small group of friends that we just kind of met with to shoot the breeze and talk about all the deep things of life with and study and think. And we wanted to continue that when we moved to a new place. And it was really because we needed it. We didn't know anybody and we wanted to have some friends. And so at church, there was an opportunity to lead a small group. So we were like, okay, we're in, sign us up. And we literally had a house. It was maybe 700, 800 square feet. It was not a big house. You could not open the oven door and the back door at the same time. I remember that. Um, the washer and dryer sat in the dining room. So it wasn't like a big, you know, luxurious place. And we had five or six other couples come once a week mm-hmm. and just sort of study the Bible. We studied different topics or whatever, and it was a couple hours. It started at a certain time, ended at a certain time. And then that went on for 20 something years through, you know, we started having kids as people do. And it went from our little young married people to, um, it was sometimes about 10 or 12 adults and as many as double that 20 kids at once. Yeah. It was a lot in your house once or twice a month. Yeah. We put them in bassinets, you know, play pens on the floor and on the beds, but then eventually ended up like in the bathtubs. Yeah, because they'd have to go down for to bed while the adults stood up, you know, kept staying up and talking and stuff. Yeah, because we didn't start till like seven, which, you know, you could put the kids down around then knowing they weren't going to fall right asleep Uh and everything. Sometimes we would eat, sometimes we wouldn't eat. It wasn't like a set thing every time, but it it sure wasn't um, like I didn't, it was not in any kind of frenzy every week to get the house tip top shape. It was what it was. It wouldn't have been sustainable if you had been. It's too tiring. It'd be too bad. Yeah, it'd be too hard on you. Especially as a mom of young kids, you just don't have the energy or time. It wouldn't have done, it wouldn't have happened probably. Right. If I'd put that on myself. Right. So I came with that understanding like, okay, (laughs) sometimes it's clean, sometimes it's not. It doesn't mean we can't talk. So that's the way we did it. And the, the kids grew up knowing that's how it was done every week. So mm-hmm. they were good with it. Yeah, you really, I think you kind of were a trailblazer in this area. I'm thinking back, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, like how many people were actually doing that? In- I don't know if small groups, you know, that's kind of a buzzword now, but I don't know that it was such a big word then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, trailblazer. People would kind of try it and then (laughs) fizzle out, but we kept with it. Yeah, we. I mean, those are our people. They still are to this day. And we were just talking about that before we started recording, that those kids are our kids. Mm -hmm. 
And the cool thing is now today, I mean, we've kind of gone our separate ways, some of us and, and moved on with different, you know, the kids get big and, and we do our different things, but, um, we're starting a small group now, or we have over the past year of, we're leading another young married group and your son and daughter-in-law are in that. And they were in our original they one as little. babies. I know. So that, that is blowing so my mind all over the place. Oh. But it's really cool to see a new generation of um, kids doing the same thing that we did. It's mm-hmm. really, really sweet. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm so, I'm so grateful for it. Um, so you do the same thing though. You have, you have people in your home regularly. We do. We do. We did. And when we were in, well, we took advantage of your hospitality when we were living here and then we moved to Indianapolis and it was easy for us to open our home. That way we could put our kids to bed, you know, for our small group, but we kind of did what you did. We were like, we're going to have people over. We're going to have a small group. It was a multi age Mm-hmm. kind of a small group so we were the only ones with children and okay. they just were grac- graciously like yeah we'll just come to you so we would do that and then in um we moved to North Carolina and there was a group of us who homeschooled who would go to each other's homes once a week we opened up our homes and we would do community bible study and then lunch together and just do life together and things like that and then moving back here and when we became empty nesters in recent years we kind of decided it could look even more different than just mm-hmm. having people over. We had one of our kids from our small group from yep. your house way back in the day who was going to college and she moved in with us for a couple of years. And that was like a whole next level of hospitality for us in terms of doing life together. You know, there's no secrets when mm-hmm. somebody's like in your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, they kind of know how you do things. Yeah, and... they know the good, the bad, the ugly. Yep. They they know it all. And, and it's kind of this gospel-centered kind of discipleship on fast forward, like you just, you can just make so much more progress and so much more work because you are doing life together yeah. day in and day out. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast, the Make Prayer Beautiful podcast. I'll give you the episode, Bonnie, so we can include it in our notes. But she did a little snippet on how the um, Celtic people did evangelism. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of their, their go-to was an invitation to come. Hey, just come do life with us. And it wasn't like, hey, let's go to church. No. And, you know, yeah. it was like, let's just go live life together. And if you like what you see, we'll tell you what's behind it. Mm-hmm. There's this gospel story that's mm-hmm. behind it. And if you don't like what you see or you don't like it, you don't want to receive it, that's fine. That's You're your free. Choice. You're free to come sure. and go. But it was a much more of a long play mm-hmm. instead of this real big push. Like, let me give you the gospel, da, 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 run it down. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, no, let's just do life together. Yeah. And I just want to get to know you. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there, you're not a project for me. Exactly. And I think the folks that signed up for that first small group when we were here, like, we didn't know who they were. It's not like we handpicked them from, oh, we really like those cool people and those cool people. You just sort of came to know one another and came to love one another. And it was just, of course, if you need anything, I'm going to be there for you. And of course, yes. if I need anything, I know I can call you. And to this day, I mean, all the kids have grown up and you watch them and I care about every single one of them still. And... I think there's this bond, you know, some of them were in each other's weddings and, and oh, yeah. I just I love, love that. that. Um, they grew up having that same bond and it just, it just doesn't end. I'm always going to care about everybody in that mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So I think we've made the case that it's beautiful. It's important. Mm-hmm. You can build lifelong relationships. It's a bridge 
to the gospel, but let's talk about how you can do it without being pushy or obnoxious or making people feel like they're a project. I mean, I didn't feel like I was a project. It was mutual. No, yeah. In terms of just coming to your house and we're just going to open up the Bible. We're just going to talk about it together. Sure. I mean, you see in in scripture all over the place, what did they do? They ate meals together. They Mm -hmm. broke bread together regularly. Eating is life. (laughs) Food is Mm -hmm. life. So it's just what you do as a matter of course. So uh, you don't have any ulterior motives. You don't have... I mean, if it's your home and you want to pray before meals, then pray before meals. You don't have to feel like, oh, no, what if I'm going to offend somebody? If they don't like that, then they don't have to come back the next time. That's fine. Yeah. she Rosaria talks about that. They have an open night. I think it's Thursday nights. And they have soup night. Their whole neighborhood knows. They've, they've told them enough times. They know this is a standing date every Thursday night. And after dinner, they always read a psalm, mm-hmm. sing one song, and say a prayer. And if you're not up for that, you're not you're not ready to be a part of that, you're welcome to just leave after dinner. And she's like, sometimes people do again and again and again. And then the day comes when they do finally stay. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they don't. Or maybe they don't. But she said, you know, generally you'll, you'd be surprised at how many people do stay or eventually do come around and stay. Mm-hmm. And so they're not springing it on them and it's not a high pressure sales pitch, but it's just an invitation to experience life with them. Yeah. to build relationships and I'm like that's really intentional and beautiful and not weird right it's not pressure not pressure yeah sales sales kind of thing nobody likes that nobody wants to be yeah pushed into something like that I just want you to come have dinner with me because I like you but there's two stages to this okay so I feel like I'm only at stage one in terms of Rosaria's scene that she's cast here in this book Mm -hmm. because I do this I do this like we do it with y'all Bonnie and another couple and we we have dinner and prayer together once a month and it's so it's not just about the eating you know it is about sharing life and praying together but then I do it with like young couples we have some young couples same thing we'll have them over and we'll we'll do we do pray and kind of try to be a part of each other's lives but I know all these people Mm -hmm. and I read at the beginning, her description is that she treats, what was it, strangers, it's worth reading again, sees strangers as neighbors and neighbors as the family of God. Mm-hmm. So I've got the second part, neighbors as family of God part down. Like these are my, these are my people from my fellowship at church, but I'm trying to scratch my head and go like, okay, what's the next level? How do I do, um, really kind of have a cast a broader net? Mm. And go, hey, whoever is welcome here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what that's the iffy part, right? That's a good question, right? Because who are you? Well, safety, number one. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I said at the beginning, this is your sanctuary, your um, sacred place. And you're inviting people in that you don't know anything about necessarily. Um, You know, there's some crazy people out I there. I guess, okay, so. I did do this. I'm just now remembering. So the young woman who moved in with us, we always told her she could bring whoever she wanted. Mm-hmm. And so there would be strangers in terms of, yeah, just people from university coming over, which is beautiful, right? You, that transitional season of life. Yeah. And so there were people that we had no idea who they were. We were welcoming them into our home. But that that's not really, like that wasn't with a rhythm like Rosario was talking about, mm-hmm. like an every Thursday kind of thing. Or even once a month kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a whole other big hairy step that, 
Um, and I think I was talking about this earlier with you. Um, maybe it takes a certain personality of some kind or, or are we all obligated in some ways to do that? I think, um, I don't shy away from talking to strangers or sharing with strangers or paying, you know, paying for the car behind me in the Chick-fil-A line or whatever, stuff like that. But that's real shy of a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's not going deep at all. But I think, like you said, if you start with the basis of a relationship with someone, like I can see doing that and then saying, bring your friend because yeah. it's a connection. So yeah. I, there's some sense of security or safety there for me. Like, okay, it's it's kind of a recommendation or a word of mouth thing. If mm-hmm. I trust you, I'll trust your friend too. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe a kind of a safe way, at least in my way of thinking to so do I, that. So I'm thinking there's a lot of young moms listening mm-hmm. and the natural you know, um, next step for hospitality would be your children's friends. Oh yeah. For preschool or Play daycare yeah. or, now we or did regular do that. school. I did do that. Now that you say that. Yeah. People that you meet at sport, a sports team or moms mm-hmm. on the soccer team or the cheerleading team. We did do that. And I didn't know them as well. Yeah. And so it would be, that would be a known, a safe yes. known. It's so good for your kids, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't really talk about that yet. So let's do. Let's talk about that. It's so good for your kids to have to think of others in, as they're preparing to receive guests. Yeah. It's not all about us yeah. all the time. And so we really tried to have the kids be a part of even just something as simple as like sorting the silverware mm-hmm. to set it out or, you know, setting helping set out the, the snacks or. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Pick um, out some games that you guys can play with mm-hmm. the other kids while they're here. Anticipate, you know, who's coming over and mm-hmm. that we're going to share and that kind of thing. Right. So it's such a it's such a good and beautiful training ground for your children. Yeah. And I think as busy parents, we, we think, oh, that's just one more thing to do. But if they could just see, like, how simple you did it, Bonnie, it's like not one more thing to do. You made a pan of brownies. You set them out. Yeah. Like, help yourself. You got help legs. Yourself. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> You got, as as my friend Danielle says, you got two feet and a heartbeat. Go walk yourself over there and get some brownies. <laughs> That's right. You know where the cups are. <laughs> Help yourself. Yeah. So it really is doable and it's such a blessing. I think part of the struggle of modern life is feeling isolated. Oh, for sure. Especially over the past couple of years, we all have felt that. And I know there's a whole slew of kids who haven't even had the opportunity to have a play date or to have school field mm-hmm. trips or anything else with other families or kids because of the world situation. And that needs to be remedied. It's a necessary human need to it, connect. And it really is. It needs to be fixed. Yeah. As soon as possible, please. Yeah. So let's talk about some hindrances. That was that was a big, like, big hindrance. But there are other smaller hindrances to being hosp- hospitable. Busyness. Do you even have a free night? Mm-hmm in a week that you could have somebody over Mm -hmm. right or are you so tired and exhausted from all the things that you do during the week that like you just can't Mm -hmm. you can't pick it up the cool thing about it though is that we carry each other's you kind of can do more together than you can do by yourself so if you're a young mom and you think oh, I've got these kids and it's just been a horrible week or whatever well then it's better to call somebody else over and say look let's cook this dinner together Mm-hmm. You do part and I'll do part. Neither one of us has to do it all. And we're having a good dinner together. I love that. It's just easier, but we think it's not. Oh, I'm so inspired. The, just the thought of that. I mean, I remember um, the two weeks we lived with y'all, Bonnie, in between houses. Yep. It was so much easier. Yeah. 
Our kids played together. We helped each other with the housework and the mm-hmm. cooking. It was so much better. Yeah. I was about ready to build a commune after that. I was like, forget this house. <laughs> yeah. Why we don't do that more, I don't know. I think sometimes, I mean, I think a lot of times women are have a fear of not measuring up or that their house has to be perfect, which we've just said several times, does yes. not have to be. Yes. Um, it's just... Um, I think our culture has changed too, where we just don't do that as much. We're way more individualistic, way more isolated. We've got some friends who were missionaries from Africa. And if you ever go over there to their homes, like they literally, their door is like wide open. Mm. They have no front door. It's just stands open. (laughs) And whoever happens to walk by in the street stops in and maybe they have a meal, maybe they don't, but there's always conversation in our culture. Our doors are closed. I know I personally, like if the doorbell rings, <laughs> do you cringe? we scatter. <laughs> oh no, who is it? Like, don't go outside. Yeah. If it's a package, then that's one thing. But if, you know, you don't want to talk to somebody who's selling you something or something else. Yeah. Um, and our friends from Africa kind of lamented, like there's, there's an absence of that here. Mm. And it's hard for people who are so isolated to come into this culture and, you know, even after church on a Sunday and be like, well, everybody else has family, but we don't. But I guess we're just going home and having lunch ourselves. Right. Go out to lunch with somebody. Yeah. Ask them over for a Sunday afternoon lunch or a football game. So true. So true. Then also I think there's this a hindrance is thinking that like we have like everything ends up on social media. So we we post, you know, we t- we feel like we have to have like the pictures and show, you know, show what we're doing on social media and so Again, it just prevents us from actually living our life like here in the present. Mm. And the social media relationships, they simulate relationship. They they scratch that itch just enough to make you think you're actually doing it. You mm-hmm. know, uh, a lot of us here in Middle Tennessee have been fasting from social media. Several local churches were doing fasts together. And a lot of people fasted social media. And for me, it it pushed me to direct communication with people because hmm. I didn't have that, that simulation of actually talking to somebody. Yeah. You I feel just, like you've connected, but you really haven't you at just all. just make a statement and post a picture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so instead I found myself, you know, texting a friend mm-hmm. or calling a friend even better instead of just popping on and looking what, at what everybody's doing. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're, uh, another thing is think about like what you have at home that maybe somebody else doesn't we have we happen to have a pool and I mean it's not that great of a pool it's not like waterfalls and you know <laughs> whatever we had a lot of good times in that a pool. pool house or anything many good times in yeah. that pool um so one thing we did during COVID was all these young moms were stuck inside and couldn't go to school or mommy's day out or anything like that and they were losing their minds so I just had a standing thing hey you guys want to come use the pool? Use the pool. I don't even have to be out there. We don't have to have contact. You just, like, the backyard's yours. Just let me know you're coming, and we're good to go. So think about what you have. Maybe it's um, a space. Swing, a swing set a in swing your backyard. Set. Yeah, riding toys or something that your kids don't have. Or, I don't know, get creative. A tree to climb that your yard doesn't have that makes it different or interesting for your children. Um, and just borrow what your neighbor has like it's not yours anyway that's right that's right that's such a good point it's not yours anyway okay so if we're thinking in terms of like a gospel-centered hospitality where we really do want to 
not only love like God loves, but also be more overt in like sharing. Peter says, is it Peter? Oh, why do I, why did I try to do a reference? I don't know. (laughs) To give a reason for the hope that we have. Okay. You know, just to be able to give a reason for the hope that we have. Mm -hmm. You know, is it, is it possible to do that? First of all, in a way that's not weird and makes people feel uncomfortable. Or if you don't do it, if you don't say anything at all, are you making people think that like you approve of everything they do? You know, Butterfield addresses this um, because she really is big into diversity. We want we like all comers mm-hmm. are welcome here mm-hmm. but then they're like reading the psalm and singing a hymn and saying a prayer so i guess i'm i'm having a rambling way of asking how do we how do we love our neighbors and not rubber stamp everything they're doing mm-hmm. how do we love anyone and not rubber stamp anything they're doing i think you're just interested in their them as people um as image bearers as you just want to know what's tell me about your life tell me about you know when you're inviting them in and they're opening up a little bit then then you can ask some questions and tell me more about that I'd like to know about that and it just I don't know I think relationships like that happen naturally and you have natural um openings for conversation it shouldn't be your ulterior motive I don't I just don't operate that way I guess if it comes up then of course I'm willing to share. And if I have opinions, so I can always offer my opinion on some things, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to insist that everyone in my house, everyone under my roof at any given moment think or act exactly like I do. Um, But I'm not going to apologize for the way I act either. I'm not going to apologize for praying before a meal or for, um, saying like okay hey language (laughs) like we're not gonna use how about we don't do that in our house okay something like that right right yeah I mean I just think American Christians like we're really terrible at this (laughs) I think that we um first of all you're right I think we should just be interested in people Mm -hmm. period Mm -hmm. because God's interested in people exactly just be interested in people and that's kind of um like a lot of things, like I think we think, oh, you're either extroverted and super interested in lots of people or you're an introvert and you don't really have the bandwidth to be interested in lots of people. <laughs> and I just think, okay, I'm going to call foul on that. That's not true. I, I'm an introvert and there are lots of things that do not come natu- naturally to me that I can get better at with practice. Mm-hmm. Conversation mm-hmm. is one of them. Right. And so I think whether we're, I'm inclined to be really good at this, which I'm guessing Rosaria Butterfield is just a natural at this anyway. Sounds like it. And yep. just has Jesus has gotten a hold of all those talents and now is just using them for so much good. But I just think we can build that muscle of right. being interested in people and learning to ask good questions. You'll find that um, people are more than willing to talk about themselves when you're interested. Most people are just not interested. That's right. It's such a beautiful gift you yeah. can give someone. Yeah. Is to be interested in someone else. And um and you're right because they're all image bearers of God. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a story. Yeah. And yet the not approving of everything they do for me, I always measure that against the amount of relationship I have with someone. How right. much relationship capital do I even have here? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any kind of right or authority or anything to step into somebody else's <laughs> life? Well, certainly not if they haven't invited you. Right. In. Absolutely so, not. Like, like with my own child, 
Certainly. I feel like I have tons of space to say, hey, I'm, let me call you out on that. Mm-hmm. Someone else's child, a friend's child. I have some leeway there. And then with a stranger, I don't. Right. You know, so there's there's levels of how much you can speak into someone's life. Sure. With if, the truth. I think, I think about people that I really care about, though, and I want to say... I mean, you can't direct other people's lives. Nope. There's free will and everybody lives their own life and they make their own choices and decisions. But I, um, you know, I will say, hey, I really care about you or, or I'm really concerned about you or I'm really proud of you or whatever it is. Have you thought about X, Y, Z and how that, how's that going for you? Because the way I see it, it's not like you're not having the best life. So like, tell me more about that. Explain that to me. And maybe they can, maybe they can't. I don't know. This may be, it's not going to, necessarily all resolve itself on one lunch date no I know no and that's that's the benefit of where we're sitting in life Bonnie is we know life is long Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there are lots of twists and turns along the way and God is pursuing people and I'm I'm okay with the not so quick fix yeah much more reconciled to that than I would have been at 30 yeah or 25 like what's wrong with you just <laughs> I can't know. you see the light <laughs> yeah everything is not necessarily crisis immediate uh, you know some things are just gonna take time and take care of themselves down the road yes and maybe I have something to do with that and maybe I don't mm-hmm. yeah and it's so beautiful when you get to be a part of it and get to have a little something to do with it to me it's um an honor to be invited into someone else's life and yeah it's be very a part. humbling part of their story Mm -hmm. even in a tiny way Mm -hmm. such an honor yeah it is humbling um butterfield says that hospitality is spiritual warfare Mm. do you agree why or why not bonnie i think in some ways yes because well you're taking a stand you're kind of standing up for and putting your family out there and saying here's what we are and here's who we believe in and you know take it or leave it um but you're also t- bringing people into that from out of from whatever they're in. So yeah, when you can pick somebody up out of yuckiness and put them into something else, I think that's definitely a win. There's a win column, right, mm-hmm. for God. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, yes, yeah, spiritual warfare for sure. If you can involve someone in prayer or or something. Yeah, I mean, Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. What is uh, Paul say in Ephesians, our battle is actually not against flesh and blood. Mm. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's something There's something behind the things we see. Right. And so, you know, all the the brokenness that we see or the, and the anger or the rebellion that we see, there's also spiritual forces at work mm-hmm. back there. And hospitality, it says, welcome to the stranger because we were estranged from God. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, it's this, um, do unto others. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is, I'm such bad. I'm really bad at war metaphors, but it's like guerrilla warfare, you know, it's like on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not the big flyover missions, you know, it's like the on the ground. Yeah. Boots on the ground combat that you're doing and one-on-one and it's, it's really so beautiful and so good. Right. And it's not even, I don't know. It's just, you're just helping somebody else. You're just extending a hand. You're just doing what humans are made to do for one another. And helping yourself. Yeah, it is a blessing. For sure, it's a blessing for yourself. Blessing to yourself in the process. 
So let's see if there's anything else from Rosaria that we want to hit on because she's got so much wisdom. Oh, I love this point. In Radically Ordinary Hospitality, she says host and guest are interchangeable. Now, this is a change of from you're the host and I have to have everything ready for you. Um, she says, if you come to my house for dinner and notice I'm still teaching a math lesson to a child and, and my laundry is on the dining room table unfolded, you roll up your sleeves and fold my laundry or you set the table or you load the dishwasher mm. or you feed the dogs. So it means the hosts are not embarrassed to receive help. Oh, that is such a good point. I think that's a great equalizer. Yes. Yes. So you're not just coming over and sitting there with your starch linen napkin or whatever. You're chopping the onions. And when you're involved in it, that's when the stuff happens. Yes. That's when the conversation happens. And that's when the laughter happens. I I love that so much. That is so true. Yeah. I can totally, I could totally see her doing that. And she said... It, this kind of hospitality doesn't just happen. You have to build margin into your life to allow, which we've said on several podcasts, mm-hmm. margin gives you space for things to happen. Mm-hmm. You're not manufacturing things happening. You're just making space for things to happen. And so she says, you know, I, I try to build some margin into my life. So if a neighbor needs to be taken to the doctor or somebody needs me to babysit on the fly or if I need to take someone in, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, unexpectedly for a day or two or a week, I'm able to do so. And that is, I got to say, like, that is such a beautiful a way to lesson. live. Yeah. That's beautiful a beautiful way lesson. to live. And so. So some of the ways that you do that, we talked about in some other podcasts are maybe just scheduling saying, Hey, Tuesdays are just going to be open. We're going to be open. Maybe we pray on Tuesday morning. Hey, Lord, if you want something to happen this evening, like open some doors, give me a phone call, something like that. Bring somebody to mind, and that's who I'm going to call to come over for dinner tonight. So sometimes you just have a set day on the calendar, um, or some days you just leave space where you're not completely fried and exhausted um, for spontaneous actions like you just described. Yes, and I and I think she Rosaria, you know, you and I talked about you know, do we does accepting people in mean, mean approval? And she's like. We as Christians don't buy the world's bunk that um, acceptance and approval are the same things. Mm. Um, We, you know, she says Jesus dined with sinners Mm -hmm. and he, but he didn't sin with sinners. He lived in the world, but he didn't live like the world. Jesus is a paradox and that's who we're modeling our lives after that we're willing to enter into the world's suffering, get enter into the world's mess and the mm-hmm. messes that people have gotten themselves in. And quite frankly, we have gotten ourselves <laughs> That's in. That's right. And, and we have known the grace of Jesus to reach out to us when we're in that predicament. And that's what we do to others. Sure. I just think that's, that's just beautiful. I mean, I don't know. We're all made so differently. I don't know anybody that I agree with 100% on every single philosophy, way they live, way they think, opinions, like no other, I would never eat with anyone. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Let alone. <laughs> yes. So she, she really is big on this, that you've got to build, because people, this is what, this is what drew her to Christ, right? People who were radically different than her took the time to get to know her and build a relationship with her. Mm-hmm. And so she, she, Uh, This is just quote worthy, so I'm just going to read this quote right here. 
We provide the time necessary to build strong relationships with people who think differently than we do, as well as build strong relationships from within the family of God. So both people who don't know God, people who do know God, Mm -hmm. and we build relationships with both. It means we know that only hypocrites and cowards let their words be stronger than their relationships. Making sneaky raids into culture on social media or behaving like moralizing social prigs in the neighborhood. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I had not thought about it that way, that hypocrites and cowards let their words be stronger than their relationships. Yeah. That's a big indictment. Yeah. I, and okay. I never, like, one of, one of my, just from my personality type, one of my biggest fears is to be a hypocrite. You know, I always say the class David and I teach on Sunday mornings, we go home and practice the things we teach about because the last (laughs) thing I want to do is stand up here and be a hypocrite. I don't ever want to be telling you guys to do something and I'm not like trying it at least myself or trying to practice it. Yeah. What she's saying is our relationships can be stronger than our, than our strongly held convictions. Mm -hmm. Well, you see that with, with like literal blood family. Right, you're still going to have Thanksgiving dinner every year and it's going to be hard and you're not going to agree with everybody and your relationships are stronger than your your words with them. Just barely. But yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, I mean, it's, it can be hard. It can be hard. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you give up. We, yeah, I think we are having even worse than when you and I were young, uh, wives and mothers, Bonnie. I think we are um, having an allergy to being offended more than ever. Amen that we actually get lots of anxiety Mm -hmm. about the thought of being around people who think so terribly differently than us. And the truth is most of us can actually be way more gracious than we give ourselves credit for. Yeah. Um, We were thrown into a group and when we went on a trip to California, it was a prepaid tour group and obviously the other members of the tour group, they were from California. They held very different worldviews about everything Mm -hmm. than we did. And you know what? We were able to um, not only enjoy conversation with them and getting to just know them and where they came from, but even talk a little bit about where we have different points of view in a civil way. And I was like, can still happen. Look at here. Here we are face to face. It's so, it's so much more difficult to be a hypocrite or um, really strident with a person looking you straight in the eye. Right way more easy to be strident to a screen <laughs> yeah that's been proven over and over so for sure I think that I think that again yeah. that's just a muscle we need to intentionally flex mm-hmm. in our lives and realize how like how really how alike we all are we all want the same things we all want to belong yeah. we all want to connect yeah. we all want to love and be loved so I what better place to do that than in your home but she says you know the problem is we want it to be nice we want that nice dinner we want the table settings to match we don't want the cat to have a hairball as soon as the guests come in. Shoot, my and- cat had it caught its <laughs> tail on fire in the fireplace. <laughs> no, that was Forget- remarkable. Forget the hairball. <laughs> I can see that in slow motion in my mind's eye. I mean, stuff happens. So yeah, you laugh about it and moving on. Yep. But she says like, we don't want our guests to be offended. We don't want them to offend us. And she's like, this is the spiritual warfare we're doing. We're, mm. we're fighting our sinful nature. We're fighting the spirits of misunderstanding or offense, mm-hmm. the spirit of offense, spirit of, you know, that I'm better than you because yeah. I have better views than you. 
I think more rightly than you. Yeah. It's just bad. Bad, bad. Right. No, keep it simple. Forget about the using the right fork and the, you know, the paper napkins and paper plates are fine. It doesn't have to be all that. And, you know, it's when, what did it's you, about. when did you learn that you actually would sweep or mop after everybody comes over and not before? Oh, I know. <laughs> I mean, I learned that eventually, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's a thing too. Yeah, so. don't do all that work on the front end. Right. You know, scented candles cover a multitude of <laughs> sins. You can hide a lot of things in the dryer. That, that's tip number Practical two. tips from Bonnie Blaylock <laughs> for radically ordinary hospitality. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh. So it doesn't have to be all perfect. There's no such thing anyway. So, I, you know, I, I'm inspired. I want to do this. You know, like I said, I think I'm level one on this. I want to go to level two. I want to go to next level with this and, and really just see what God might do with it. Mm -hmm. Just open up that space to be available. Yeah. What would that look like? Get with some friends and try it. Yeah. I mean, I've already made space. Like I'm already making space one day a week. I book nothing. Mm -hmm. And I've just started doing that. Mm, We did a lesson on the 10 commandments. I mean, a series of lessons on the 10 commandments and Sabbath obviously was one of them. And I was convicted. I was like, I need to be Sabbathing, but I'm not doing it on a Saturday. I just pick a day of the week and I'm like, there's nothing, nothing goes there. Mm -hmm. No appointments, you know, nothing. And then I just like let God see what might get filled in. Sometimes it's cooking dinner for somebody who needs it. Sometimes it's um, like I'm going to read a book. Yeah, a friend's son's classroom, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I mean, all different things, kind of things fill in. And, and that is, that is cool, but I want to do the have people here thing. Mm -hmm. I just don't know what that's going to look like yet. I I think you're already good at that, but okay. Listeners, you can open up like just everybody, everybody, every day's (laughs) on Thursday night. She's not going to turn you away. You know, now. I, I really like, like we, did you say this on the air or were we talking about this ahead of time? Like, how do you know how much food you're going to have? Like, is there going to be enough? Talk about praying over your pot of soup. I know. We got to have some loaves and fishes going on. Cause cool. what if 20 people show up and you've got one little can of chili? Ugh. It'll work out. It'll be fine. Well, um, it's worth noting that the God centered motivation for hospitality begins in the old Testament. Perhaps the clearest text is Leviticus 19. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Our values should mirror God's values, and God values hospitality. And it's worth also noting that we were all aliens and strangers because of our sin, Mm -hmm. and then Jesus offered us the ultimate act of hospitality and he created peace between us and God. He reconciled us to one body and brought hostility to an end. So we're no longer strangers and sojourners, Paul writes, but your fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. God destined us for love because of his glorious grace. Mm. And so go out there and love one another. Yeah. Open your house. See, I love this see topic. who comes in. I love this topic. Yeah. So good. She's so inspiring. Very cool. And thanks to Nora for sending in her recording to close out our podcast today. Thanks so much for listening. This is Nora from Seattle, Washington. I'm child free by choice and love listening to this podcast 
because I found it helps me empathize better with my friends who have young kids. The resources mentioned on today's podcast will be at the website, justaskyourmom.com. You can follow the podcast on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please rate and leave a review for Just Ask Your Mom. This helps people find the podcast. Better yet, you can subscribe and get a new episode every Monday. And if you have any questions or suggestions for a new episode, send them to justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Your Mom. Mom.